Hello and welcome to Softcats Explain It podcast series. This is episode six of season six and we are back after a small break in the schedule and we are back with a corker. My name is Dean Gardner, Softcats Technology Director. Yes, a slight change in title, but that does not matter as we're still here to explain it. Every episode, our team of experts are here to talk tech in simple, jargon-free language. Customer for life, not just for Christmas. It might appear obvious, but customer focus, customer obsession, and customer first should surely be at the front of every organization. But are they? Are we relying purely on technology to solve customer outcomes? And am I being old-fashioned by saying listening, understanding, being empathetic, and then solving challenges equally, if not more important than the tech we provide? It might be ironic on a technology-driven podcast, but maybe during this break, I've had an epiphany whilst hearing about a lot of this AI shenanigans. So to help me become enlightened, I'm joined by Softcat's incredible head of customer experience, Amy Bain, and the fantastic James Duke, Cisco's Amir Partner Services sales leader. Many thanks to you both for joining me today. So why has customer success appear to have become kind of a sudden thing and a priority? Surely this has been around for ages. No, Dean, you're right. It has been around for ages. But I think historically and probably typically, it was seen more of a post-sales engagement. So it was almost as an afterthought. And I think the big change that we're seeing now is that, you know, with customers having greater demands on on their investments, we need to make sure that we're set up for success much earlier in the cycle. So to that end, whilst it's probably feels like it's a bit new, it's always been there. But the focus is very much about starting it much earlier, those conversations. So from the outset of when a customer's, you know, defined what their vision may be, we then have to sit down and understand how are we going to achieve that vision? So very much a, a sort of a collaborative approach really to to drive the, that success. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. I think that, like James said, it's been around for a long time, but it's more that customers are now wanting to see more and more value from their vendors. And, you know, as we've shifted towards subscription-based selling, it's so easy for customers, you know, they can move between technologies should they wish to. And I think for us, it's about CSMs being kind of uniquely positioned to help meet those increased expectations, but also help customers adopt, you know, adopt the technology, but more importantly, actually see the value that it brings to them and their organization. So I'll come on to CSM in a minute, because that's interesting, the acronym um, and what that is. But one thing that I'm really curious on, the evolution, you mentioned there, the evolution of selling and the subscription, this kind of new world, or not new world, it's the world we're in. Do you see that sales, traditional sales representatives, so in, in our world, account managers and account representatives, account directors, all these lovely titles that historically have been common, do you see those roles over the next few years? changing to become more customer success representatives to the engagement as opposed to salespeople or account directors? Do you see that evolving to that term? I mean, definitely. I I think you're absolutely right. It is going to change and it has to change. The days are gone when customers buy purely on price. I mean, price is obviously still very important for them. But as I say, with so many demands now on customer investments, they need to make sure that they are getting that return. And just buying something because it's the cheapest, it's foolhardy now. So it is absolutely a case where those sellers and our you know, account teams do need to change. They need to be able to be selling on value. And that value absolutely has to align to that customer outcome. 
because those conversations with procurement that everybody's very, very familiar with, where they have a goal to, to get the best price, but that doesn't always align to the business. So yes, we are seeing a huge change and, and I know Softcap and us, our Cisco are making huge investments in you know training uh, uh, to, to really upskill our sales guys to, to change that conversation, to interact with other parts of the business trying to understand and identify what it is the customer is trying to achieve and then what is the solution that will achieve that instead of coming up with a point product or a point offer saying this is what we've got to sell will you buy it it's a case of understanding this is what we can do to achieve that so yes it, we are seeing and uh, and you know that they do have to because the hardware is, is is not the prevalent anymore. It's much more around software. So we've seen massive changes in the way our sellers go to market, and that will continue to evolve as, as the market shifts and, and customer um, demands change. Yeah, I think we'll still keep the traditional roles, won't we? So the, the roles will still exist, but it's how hmm. they perform in those roles and their focuses that are going to shift. Yeah. I mean, that's right. I mean, there are all those customers that, you know, it's, it's an evolution. You know, customers move faster than others. So the seller is, has more tools in their in their bag, so to speak. You know, they still need to have that right. You know, that conversation. But ultimately, you know, as we see the you know things changing over time, that those conversations are going to be much more um, you know value based. But uh, yeah, whenever I have this conversation, you know, internally, you know, people think you know does that, you know start questioning about do they need to, to look at for a you know change in role, and it's like no, as Amy says. It's an evolution. They still need those skills and capabilities, but they've got to really change that conversation to value. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose that that brings brings us on to you know the, the training, the, the learning and development aspects of how you take certain individuals that have been doing this for many years and are used to doing certain things in a certain way. There's a shift and a mindset shift. I'd, I'd imagine from what you're saying there, but obviously this new generation of people coming into work um, that we all see from apprentices to you know people who are coming back to work essentially it's kind of getting those onto a different mindset of, of learning and development so what are you looking to do as organizations then within that space learning and development in what you're doing in your roles and how that translates to those people that have done sales for many years and also equally to those people that are coming into the workforce do you think there's almost a curriculum that businesses need to kind of build to support that that mindset yeah, I mean, we at Softcat have a, a training program called C-Excellence. We ask every single individual who joins the business to go through this training. And it's sort of an in-house design program. Exactly as James has said, it's the customer at the core of it. It's the customer's desired outcomes. And it's looking at how we deliver value, not just at the point of sale, but the whole way through the life cycle of that engagement. And at Softcat, I think for us, it's very much about every single person. You know, they could be an account manager, they could be someone on the service desk, they could be a project manager, but we want the customers to have the same level and type of experience, no matter who they're dealing with. And that, you know, they go away thinking that they've had the same Softcat brand experience they would have, you know, with their account manager. So we very much ask people to prioritize customer experience, no matter their role or their level of seniority. And I think a lot of businesses are starting to do that. And I think it's, it's so important that we all get on the same page with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's the same with us as companies. We have to make sure that we keep our, you know, our, our teams and across the board relevant and updated. So yes, you know, we, we, we invest in a significant amount in training, but particularly with our, our sellers. And actually Amy makes a very good point. You know, there's, I think the lines are blurring between the traditional salesperson 
and then that delivery organization because ultimately they're all sitting in front of the customer they all are you know having those own relationships and it's an old allergy and it sounds like you know people buy from people but quite often some of these in you know, a lot of the opportunities come from the less traditional roles not necessarily from the from the traditional account manager you know because every if everybody understands you know the journey we're on together what it is we're trying to achieve then everybody plays a role in that and but certainly from specifically around training over the last couple of years one thing that uh, we've gone through and it ties into the you know the whole customer life cycle and that is taking an outside in approach so you know many years ago your salesman whatever they're selling in IT or whatever it would be would turn up with a product and say this is what it is this is what it does this is how much it costs because customers are are so focused and driven now on on realizing that investment it's understanding what is it the goal what is the vision that we're trying to achieve and then what is the solution that would achieve that so quite often when we go into these engagements you know particularly with our customers together is our teams go in not knowing what is it that we're going to end up selling ultimately the critical thing is understanding what it is we're trying to deliver and then we sit back and say right what is it that softcat has what is it that cisco has combine that together what does that solution look like so that comes back to you know the change in the way the sales guys approach but also that is a mindset and that does take education and enablement because as you say there are those sellers who for years have done it one way but actually I also think you know the younger generation have grown up in the world of customer experience you know the fact that everything is done you know differently to how we were when we were younger so that just mindset coming into our organization naturally changes and and uh, naturally sort of encourages those other members of the team and we're seeing great success from that i think you make such an interesting point as well because not only are you kind of aligning your own organization we're working within our partner network to make sure that we have this sort of joint approach to cx that we are all on the same page of each other so you've got is that added complexity but one of our biggest kind of the biggest moves forward that we made in cx was that approach with partners where we saw that actually when we came together and we worked on things like you said, the Cisco lifecycle and we have that joint approach, we're really able to deliver like an exceptional customer experience because we've joined up on that. So I think, yeah, you're right. It's about how we do it internally, but then how we do it within our partner network also. And that's critical for us because, you know, if nothing else, what we see is, you know, those relationships you've built up with your customers, that level of custom intimacy is so important in delivering a successful customer experience and making sure that we all understand the goal that we're all driving to and ultimately who does what so we reduce any confusion within ourselves as who's responsible who's owning that because if we're confused the experience for the customer will be magnified yeah so we absolutely have to make sure that we work on each other's strengths we recognize those and work closely together because that's the only way we're really going to deliver a successful outcome to the customer. So what does that look like? You know, when you when you, we talk about the slight change in the way we engage, what well, it sounds like in some cases it's a big shift and we're engaging with customers Amy from your perspective in partnership with not just one vendor or partner but maybe several in yeah. some of our customers based on what they're looking to achieve. So what, is there a typical customer success engagement or is it James, to the point you made earlier, it's a case of we have to really listen, understand what the customer is saying to us. And our role in that equation is to translate where that opportunity is. And there isn't a typical engagement. It's just a case of truly understanding what they're asking us to do. 
I think it probably depends on who you're asking, because from a customer success manager point of view, I would say, yeah, there, there is a framework and there is a really, you know, a great framework that we can use across many different vendors. Obviously, it varies depending on the technology, but, you know, there is a repeatable framework with repeatable playbooks and ways that we can operate with customers where we can actually learn from each engagement with a customer and then use that with other customers, which is kind of the beauty of it. So I'd say probably from that, 100% is tailored, 100% we listen to the customer's needs and kind of tailor it in line with that. But I would say there is a pretty good framework that you can use across across multiple customers. Amy, you know, I mean, I, I agree entirely. There's, if we had to recreate it every single time, the delays and the costs would become crippling. So there has to be a consistent theme. We understand what our capabilities, our mutual capabilities are, and we know what has worked well in the past. So there's always that level of consistency and that sort of, you know, that framework based around governance and, and, and et cetera. But like all of these things, no one customer is exactly the same. So there will always be some tailoring, some sort of tweaking, but the foundation is sort of a similar approach, but the visions will be slightly differently. So our approach has to be ever so slightly differently, but we have these common themes, which we maintain, which is, you know, built up from, you know, the years of experience of working together. I would say that, well, I wouldn't go as far as it's sort of 50% standard, 50% tailored, but there is always those common themes. But to be truly successful, we need to make sure that we've listened to that customer, we've understand it, and we've adapted to that accordingly. Yeah, agreed. I also think there's things like, you know, a customer success plan. All the engagements that we're having with our customers, we can put into a customer success plan and the skeleton of that is the same. You know, we're looking at the barriers, we're looking at what we want people to achieve. We can help work through those customer side outcomes. But actually what's within that customer success plan is going to vary, like you said, from customer to customer, because what they want to achieve and how they go about achieving it is going to, it's going to be slightly different and you need to treat it as such for it to actually you know, to help them achieve that as quickly as possible. And so you mentioned their measurement, I guess. So how how typically would you measure success? And you mentioned, you know, it's a life cycle. It's something that is continuous, cyclical. I, I'm not sure if it, if it goes around or it just keeps going forward. But how do you success, how do you measure success within the customer success world? Because ultimately it is what it is in the title. You have to be successful with a customer? How do you measure that? Is it monetary? Is it outcome? Is it a combination of all of those things? I mean, James, you mentioned earlier, it's about what the customer's trying to achieve and meeting or delivering those objectives. How do you measure all that? Because historically it would have been in a lot of organizations, how much money you convert through opportunity. Yeah, you're right. The simplest thing is each metric has to have a direct link to the outcome. So at any point, we need to say, how does that connect to where we're going? How does that connect to what we're trying to achieve? And they, and obviously, they, these will vary, but they have to be smart. You know, they've got to be specific, et cetera, and measurable. They, you know, but they're not sort of always linked to the number or the pound or the, you know, the cost, et cetera, because they can be a little bit too limited in scope. So really, we're looking at things now such as, you know, time to action, net promoter score, those things which ultimately link to the goal may have a cost, uh, you know, collection to it, but aren't as binary as growing by X percent, reducing time by 5%, whatever it may be, because that there's much other things in the journey to achieve that. I mean, to give you an example, you know, we've got a large multinational retail store and they realised that their customers were abandoning their shopping trolleys in the store um, and they couldn't quite work out, you know, why it was this. 
and they realised that customers would give up and just walk out of the store before completing their purchases. So working with us and in our customer success team, we realised that it's clearly that customer experience that needed to change. There was a reason why these customers were walking in to buy something and then halfway through deciding, I can't be bothered with this. So it, it was very much a case of what is causing that? How do we measure that? So we created a solution together, which would provide that sort of customer analysis. So, you know, anything, you know, to, to enhance that experience. So we now, so we could track with them sort of like how many customers are coming through the door? Where are they going within the store? So for the metrics to that were things like, obviously, you've got the binary ones of customer footfall, customers in or out, average cost per customer. But then it's time taken in the store. It's, you know, adoption of promotions. It's all of these sort of things. So you have all these metrics which end up resulting in less abandoned trolleys, but actually more customers going through the checkout, their increased costs going up. And that all started because they're saying, people are abandoning their trolleys, what's going on? And they could directly link that back to that customer experience. So we had a number of metrics. Obviously, there was the technical, you know, the IT-based sort of metrics as part of the solution. But then you get those other ones, which was based around ultimately that, you know, customer experience, net promoter score. How long were they in the store? Were they buying the promotions we did? And we can track all of those different things that aren't necessarily dollar, time, cost, etc. What you're describing is... Because we talk about hybrid a lot, right? Hybrid working, hybrid platforms, etc. And what you're talking about there is that from a digital experience perspective, in terms of someone buying something from that organization online, all those things are quite quantifiable yeah. with tools you can put in Absolutely. into the website, etc. or to the app. But what you're describing there is yeah. actually how do you then create a hybrid model of that particular strategy to kind of cater for that in-store experience, which is equally, and if not more so, post-COVID as important. So how do you bring all that together in a similar model? And, it, and it's fascinating that, as you say, there's probably a lot of stores out there or companies have stores have not focused on that aspect, but focused on the digital stuff over the last few years. So yeah, I was just thought sparks a few things in my brain then. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a solution that, you know, can work across multiple, you know, industries, but it is very much a case of, you know, understanding what the, I, I could imagine when they turned around and had the meeting and said, why does the store look a mess? Why have we got stores everywhere? Well, do we need more people to put the trolleys back? Uh, and actually sit down, and that comes back to this listening and understanding. What is the root cause and how can we transform that? And along that journey, what else can we do? Is it just a case of making sure that when a customer comes in, they, they pick it up off the shelf, they go to the checkout buy? Can we not, you know, through that digital experience? And it's exactly the same online encourage them to buy other products and things. It's fascinating. And this goes back to one of the early questions about, you know, the approach of the, the account manager and the salesperson. It's a very, very different different approach now. I feel like I'm going to go off topic with this, but um, it's another one of my passions is our voice of the customer program. And it's all about, you said the word listening, it's customer listening. And it's how we, at all stages of the customer journey, are listening and observing and communicating to see between the lines, like you said, the sort of the deeper root cause as to why the behaviours are happening and why they're not adopting, why they are adopting, why it's going well. And it's those types of things, I think, on top of, you know, the more traditional success metrics that I think is what a customer success is actually bringing to these engagements. You're absolutely right. And, 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 and it's interesting with these with this approach, whereas before historically, if you look at a, a project, you know, a, sort of an infrastructure type project, there was a very clear start and end point. 
and you'd have a project plan and you'd have milestones and you'd et cetera go through. But now, you know, something like that, like that customer experience, it doesn't stop ever. It evolves. So those metrics have to, you know, some of those metrics may obviously reduce in, in, in importance and you may bring others in as the journey goes along. But it's very much that evolution, you know, the whole point that, you know, there isn't a physical endpoint where we go, that's it, project's done, well done, everybody, pats on the back. With the customer experience, because customers' demands change, customers' you know experiences, you know, will, will, and behaviours will, will will evolve themselves. So we have to evolve as well. So we need a, a framework that will flex and 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 be adaptable to maintain that level of experience that our customers uh, are demanding. Yeah, and that goes back to something you said earlier, James, where it's it's pre-sales driven and post-sales driven equally now in terms of understanding that starting point and what you described there through to the delivery and measuring all of those steps, component parts, the process to deliver something and then post-delivery of something, measuring that equally and then presenting that back to say, look, we did it, but it carries on, doesn't stop. And I suppose that comes down to the changing in the the market, I guess, with our organisations where it's about making that customer stick with you, to stay with you, measuring that success equally in partnership with customer and in our world vendor, bringing all that together and all that data together to be able to provide context. Um, That sounds like it's the critical part. That's a lot of system integration, I can imagine. That's a lot of operational changes in terms of what's what systems exist within your organization so can you can you kind of give me a view on on some of the challenges maybe there because changing and building frameworks and doing those kind of things are great but how does that impact the back end to be able to measure and quantify those areas from a operations perspective it is challenging and that's obviously where there's a lot of complexity because we're asking business units you know or, you know departments things like that to do things they've not done before you know, and they've had a very um, steady state. You know, their, their their requirement has been to report X, deliver, and whatever it may be. And now we're asking them to do more. So, so is it all encompassing? And that's why I say that you know, a true. And it goes back to think about the the framework. There needs to be those standard consistency bits, and we do learn takeaways from from previous projects, successes and failures are, are so important for the next one. We are asking more of people and processes than we have before, but. There's those people that want change and there's those people that fear change. But actually, those people that you'd always struggle to get the change across, when you can show the direct correlation between what they're asking them to do to the end goal and the vision, it, it puts it all into context. And, you know, and yes, it can be a bit slower, but absolutely, we need to look at the whole part of the business. By and large, what we're trying to achieve does require buy-in from, from a greater number of stakeholders Whereas before, you know, it was, it was quite a simple infrastructure project in that building. We're now talking about our business, an operation, time to market, you know, relevance, etc. So there are, um, I would say that it's the, quite often it's the people that haven't traditionally been involved in that cycle is where the challenge is. But as Amy quite rightly says, it's so important to listen, understand what their concerns, their, what their, you know, perceived challenges are. But when you can put it into the clarity of this is the vision, this is where we're going, it, it does indeed, you know, um, bring people on board because everybody has to be on board because mm. it just takes one one area which is hasn't bought into it to cause, you know, frustrations and delays. And Amy, do you, do you concur that it's obviously a, there's some people challenges, but also equally there's technology 
operational system challenges as well that go with that. Yeah, definitely. I think for the framework and for for a CX strategy to truly work and to actually be able to say that you are customer centric and you are, to, if you know, if you're going to claim that, there has to be investments into people and technology, but also the programs. So it's like the initiatives and it's the small pockets of activity that are all working towards that overall CX strategy. And I think, you know, for us, we've invested in a tool. It's a really great tool called Plan Hat and it's a customer success platform. Five years ago, we wouldn't have been investing in a CSM dedicated tool. We wouldn't have, you know, we didn't have as many customer success managers. We had people in the business who were sort of, you know, seeing that this was an opportunity and an area for growth. But in the last five years, a lot of investment has had to be made into technology to support the people. So you can invest in CSM teams, you can invest in the training internally, but you have to have the technology that sits behind it. And I think for us, one of the biggest challenges is data. It's always data. And it's making sure that we need not only the, uh, the sort of consistent communication with the customers, you've got that human element, but you have to, to, you know, to truly monitor how a customer is progressing along a product lifecycle. You have to have data. So you've got to have kind of the human element, the listening, the engagement from that side, but you, you really need to have the data. And that part of it, I think, is always it's always going to be a challenge unless you make those investments into the technologies to support it. You're right. And, and, and data is so important now. And we've put a tremendous uh, emphasis on enabling the sharing of that data and insights and, and analytics. And uh, you know, I was with a customer a while ago and sort of having quite a frank conversation with them. And they're saying, so they're fully bought into automation and digitization. They said, but it does cause a sort of a perception within their organization that the robots are taking over type thing. And actually, when they look at it, they say, what's interesting is they, you know, they had talented, highly experienced technical resources who were spending so much time trawling through reports and trying to get data and things like that. And so then through Softcat's platform, it makes those resources so much more efficient and they enables them to, to reduce the amount of, should we say, overhead admin type stuff and actually to do the stuff that the customers want them to do which is the architecture the evangelization of, of you know, innovation so it is so important for so many people and and certainly some of those roles who were traditionally you know would sat in a darkened room trawling through code and reports and things like that are now at the forefront with the customers so yeah it's it's bringing everybody together um, in a much more collaborative way and, and enabling those experts and expertise to really utilize, you know, those skills that they have. And let's touch upon those skills. Let's go through this final point around uh, CSM. So so we mentioned CSM, customer success managers, and also the, the bit that really fascinates me. And I think we're working in this um, very fast moving world, but where new roles are appearing in our industry, you know, five years ago, we never had FinOps people essentially in, in, in any organization, suddenly FinOps is a thing, you know, CSMs, would we have had those five years ago? Now you're saying that those are becoming such an important part of the engagement. So where do you see that evolving to that next wave, CSM, data, all those things you talked about? Do you see customers building those capabilities into their organizations? Do you see it, us educating them on how to do it? You know, is it a packageable thing, a service that you can provide to a plethora of organizations to get them to understand how they can build those things. Because we talk about skill shortages in a technical sense. Surely in this world, there's a, a potential shortage as well. I actually, I read something recently on LinkedIn and it said it was the third most popular job going was in customer success. So it's, 
you know, in, in the tech world. So it's definitely, like you said, there, there eventually will be a skill shortage in that area. Um, I think for us, our next stages of it are really around the technical success side of things and how we go deeper into the technical advisory from a customer success point of view. That's something that we're really starting to invest more heavily in. And I think also we're looking at what our customers need in terms of customer success. So we've got our, our vendor customer success managers who you know work on specific technologies, specific partners, specific vendors. But we're looking at things like account CSMs who are much more strategic. They're working with customers on a much deeper level, really, you know, sometimes one-to-one. That's how key this is some of our customers now. And that's somewhere we're investing also is that kind of really strategic one-to-one relationship, which seems, it seems ridiculous to put one, you know, have an entire resource for, you know, a single customer, but that's how deep those engagements are going now and the amount of time customers and, and money customers are willing to spend on a resource that will help them internally. Like you said, their internal capabilities from a customer success point of view, that's something that we're starting to invest more heavily in. Yeah, and we're seeing it as well. And I think the role of the CSM is probably the most obvious one where customer success approach, mentality, you know, mindset, etc., was embedded within so many different roles. Everyone was doing a little bit of it, whether it was the project manager, the architect, the sales manager, whatever it may be. But then we realised it's such a critical thing. We need actually a customer success person. And they are now, you know, more relevant than ever. And you know, over the years, I see different people sitting around the table when I go to meetings. And there is, you know, as Amy says, there's much more around customer success. And it has to be both not only in Cisco's organization, in Softcats, or in the customer, because we have to have that peering. You know, you have to have that sort of commonality um, across things, things to be successful. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the, from a technical point, it's just the next evolution We've gone from the traditional delivery realisation at that point to, from a technical point of view, how do you factor customer success into that? So I think you're right. It wouldn't surprise me if in the not-too-distant future we started seeing technical customer success managers, you know, um, coming to the fore. And the most successful customer success managers are the ones that can, can sit in both camps, so to speak. So I certainly think success we've seen is would not have been possible without that focused customer success manager role. Yeah, I think we also need to do a mix of, in order for it to be scalable, like you've just sort of said, that we don't have this this skill shortage, we have to do, you know, approach it in different ways. And that's why we've got our, like I said, some customers are looking for a one-on-one engagement where it really is one CSM to one account. Other customers are looking for, and that's more the kind of the paid engagements that we spoke about, people are willing to invest that for their organisation. But other activities that we can do with customers to help enable them and get value from their their product on a much larger scale. That's that's another area that we we invest in because I think, you know, it's going to have to be scalable, and we just need to be able to flex the support and the the offering and the activities we deliver based on what that individual customer needs. Amy, James, thank you for joining me today. Fascinating to go through this stuff. And as always, thank you to our audience for listening. And please remember, we like to hear from you. So why don't you leave us a review as it goes a long way to help us to make this better for you. We'll be back soon with another episode of Explain It. So keep listening.